welcome to episode two of the Tony Awards. I'm Sam. And I'm Jake. And this is our special guest, Mr. Jamie Green. This is our special guest, Mr. Jamie Green. You know him from Bits Before Crits. You do. You know him from the Marymount Manhattan College Improv Team. You do. Class of 2018. Yeah, you know me from the East Harlem Target. I believe that Mm -hmm. you were going to do our intro song for today. Yes. Uh, I'm going to do like a really like a very stripped down acapella, kind of like a jazz inspired version of She Used to Be Mine from Sarah Bareilles' Broadway musical Waitress. All right. Go for it. Go ahead. It's not simple to say. I forgot the rest. (laughs) I think the intro song for this episode should probably be an ABBA song. Oh, oh yeah. I can't, I cannot, <laughs> I really could not believe how ABBA inspired this movie was. And I, I am a bad, poor, poor, poor show guest. So I didn't research the Mamma Mia timeline. When exactly was Mamma Mia? Oh, the Mama musical? Mia was after this. 2001, I believe. Okay. I don't know why I know that. Um, when I initially told you that this was the movie that you would be covering, you sent me a picture of the poster, Jamie, and said, is this Mamma Mia? Oh. You're right. I did do oh. that. Because the poster for Muriel's Wedding and That's the poster the film for we're Mamma covering. Mia. Oh, we, we're covering <laughs> Muriel's Wedding, which we said in the last episode, which you should have listened to. So. so uh, Mur- Muriel's know? Wedding. Muriel's Wedding. 1994. Muriel's You're terrible, wedding. Muriel. Tony Collette's... Um, Alleged breakout role mm-hmm. in the 90s. Yeah. I did see that on Wikipedia. She got nominated for a Golden Globe, Best Musical or Comedy. <laughs> what? Yeah. Does Australia have their own Golden Globes? No, it was the Golden Globes. Oh, yeah, which no. Which is pretty intense because it was an Australian <laughs> that... film. Must oh, been a... man, y'all. The 90s were wait, just... Wait, what year would that have been? I'm going to be fucking like Forrest Gump. Or five, 94 or five. Yeah, Forrest Gump and Tony Collette. Oh. Stars of 94. Man, oh, man. I mean, Tom Hanks, not <laughs> Forrest Gump. He's one and the same. Yeah, where does the Forrest Gump end and the Tom Hanks where's start? The... It's unclear. Um, but this film <laughs> did happen, it actually. Did. It really happened. And then we watched it, uh, which was incredible. Yes. Yeah. That is how movie. That that is how a movie becomes a movie. Does do, do... Us watching it? Yeah. The yeah. three of us. Do do we give a plot summary or do we just sort of leave people to their own devices? Well, the only other film we If you're covered... listening to this podcast without having seen Muriel's Wedding, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah, uh, you gotta go watch What go are you watch doing listening right to a podcast about a movie that you haven't seen? Go watch it right now. Uh, pause us. Go watch the film. Then come back to on our Put Locker Tons. or get a free trial of Sundance <laughs> now, as I did. I don't know what that is. Um, and then, yeah, press play. I guess we could go sequentially-ish. Yesterday, the film we covered, I mean, last week, who knows? The We're film... releasing the first two episodes at The once. first film we covered didn't really have a plot. so And took 31, 31 years, years to make. To yeah. create, yes. Mm-hmm. But we are thief and cobbler out. So let's kind of go. We can so go like beat by let's... beat. There's like multiple arcs to this movie. Yeah, I wrote down, um, the film is separated into three acts. There, yes, it with, is. With title cards, there's the bouquet mm-hmm. is the first one. Second oh, right. is Sydney, Sydney City, City of, of Brides. brides. Yes. And then Mariel's Mariel's wedding. wedding. 
Yeah, and I wrote chapter titles. The favorite is officially exposed as a mimicry film (laughs) and is canceled. It's not art anymore. I was thinking about how... Oh, I canceled um, the favorite a long time ago. All those... Why? We'll get into that later. Yeah. All of those scenes, which, by the way, are incredibly done, of Muriel just, like, slack-jawed listening to ABBA. Oh, my God. Just depressed out of her mind. So relatable. Um. Kind of, like, incredible and, like, psychotic. Like, so beautifully done. Mm. I just feel like... Who directed A Clockwork Orange? You know that's... I haven't seen it. That's... You don't need to. Don't look at me like Um, that. She's looking at me. Well, I haven't seen it. People talk about that movie, like, a lot. Stanley Kubrick? Stanley Kubrick? I haven't seen it, but apparently it was, it was the Cooper. movie that invented this trope of like playing happy music while something terrible happens. I think I invented that. Actually, <laughs> I think that's real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, all I could think of was like Stanley Kubrick or whoever the fuck. Yeah, that was him. Clockwork Orange. I, I don't know. I don't believe you. Who he is, and um, I don't know what that is, but I know that he directed it. Well, I feel like that's what they were trying to create, and they couldn't because yeah. Muriel's wedding did it better. Muriel's Wedding, so I guess we should just tell people. So it stars Tony Collette as Muriel, yes, an Australian woman in the nineties, a and young, a young. She woman. was twenty two. She was twenty two. The characters as well, and I found out that she, because like, um, Brandon, my boyfriend, world, okay, stop uh, bragging. Walked in <laughs> while I was watching it, and he goes, "Oh, she <laughs> is thick." Because she is, I d- oh, I did she, not think so. She gained she, was very she gained forty pounds. Seventeen oh, it was seventeen kilograms. Yeah, she gained forty pounds to play this role. I thought she looked like a the, Over your the average person. She does, but she's very weeks. skinny in other things. She is, yeah. Because yeah. I know her obviously from like United States of Terror, Hereditary, clips yeah. on YouTube of Michael very John McHugh's Broadway musical, The Wild Party, but like yeah. where she is, you know, pretty skinny. Yeah. But in this movie, I thought she was very average, which was hilarious because they kept calling her right. big. Australia fat, I guess. Oh but God. there's one shot where, like, her butt is, like, where she's just, like, her back to the to the camera and, like, she has a yeah. very low. In the I leather. Do... Yeah. Oh, my the God. Leather... <laughs> I do think that the film does a good job of uh, placing her in juxtaposition with very thin people. That's true. Is it Australian Hollywood bias uh, and fat phobia? Maybe. But I did like how there. it felt like there was so much being done to make her seem other uh-huh. in terms of wardrobe, in terms oh, of appearance, in terms of makeup. They did a weird thing with her lipstick that, oh, that must have been on purpose. Mm-hmm. Her I, lips looked so small. I Yeah, and weird shaped. Like, yeah. And I kept wondering, is it misdrawn? I kept being Probably. like, that can't be right. Well, yeah. I just want to talk about the wardrobes. Like her first in the first scene. Oh, in her first scene, she's wearing like two clashing leopard print items: uh, a bra and a a shirt, a a blouse. It's a dress. You're right. It's a wedding. She's She's at a wedding. I thought it was like I wrote down. I you know I wanted to give an award to the costumer. I was like, it's like a leopard negligee with a different leopard pattern on the sleeves and the the body. Uh Oh well. And then there was like a skirt. Oh my god, and her hair color, just like that dark red, looking so bad. I have something to tell you guys that's going to blow your mind. You designed that. My mind is ready to be blown. You styled her. 
No. In from the womb. When Tony Collette and Rachel Griffiths, who plays her friend Rhonda, Rhonda, were on set, they decided that they didn't like their characters' wardrobes, so they did their own wardrobe, pretty much, and they had a lot of input on what clothes they oh, were wearing. Like from before shooting or like in the middle of shooting? Like during, sh- I'm not 100% <laughs> sure. I just read the IMDb trivia, but apparently uh, the writer-director gave them full permission to go to the costumer and be like, here's what I think this character would wear. But, but oh. basically be totally annoying. Uh, but it yeah. works. Well, Rhonda's amazing looking all the time. Yeah. yeah Rhonda well, at really least was killing before it. her, you know. I thought, subplot begins. I thought she was killing it even with the hair change in like Act Three. I was kind oh, of and then she just Rhonda. stops wearing makeup. Yeah, because yeah. she's sad and has cancer. Or, um, I shouldn't have said it like that, but I, that's what happened. I will say yeah. before we like really open up this coconut. I thought that the most fascinating thing about this movie, which may be because it is a 1994 comedy, was how stylistically unclear. It was. Oh, yeah. Was it a happy-go-lucky romp? Was it a dark comedy? Was it a, tr- like, tragic comedy, mm-hmm. you know? Wh- I yeah. could never decide what, how to feel and where we were going. Tony Collette is the undisputed queen of acting. dramedy, or I would say. <laughs> and <laughs> acting. And acting. Um, but, yeah, like, you never, because she's also, like, from what I know of her career, at least since this, you never really know like it's always like even Hereditary which is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen has like moments where I laugh out loud of course yeah. because she's always making these faces and I'm just like <laughs> what is going on with your face and so like I was a little bit triggered whenever she would cry in this movie because like I knew someone's head was going to get cut off Yeah. but like with the tone I was like truly a lesson in Australian filmmaking I don't know is this funny is this sad mm-hmm. is this neither what it, is the genre? That was my first note. And let me know if I'm getting ahead of how you guys like to run things. But it, We have no idea how we like to run things. Incredible. It was simply never addressed. They alluded to it in a joke. But it was never addressed that she's a pathological liar. Oh. Oh, yeah. And a thief. And a, and a klepto. Yeah. Which, again, are mm-hmm. things that people can't really control. So I'm not shaming those things. But that was absolutely yeah. a part of her psychological profile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that we're never actually addressed it feels intentionally Mm -hmm. put in but not intentionally dealt with there's not really a resolution but it is the 90s so were those things like were these were also not addressed in in terms of like non-comedy until recently anyway i think that in the third act after her mother dies and at the funeral, ahead a little which bit. I have so much to Jumping say. Jumping all oh, over. And, and listen, <laughs> and, and her dad breaks out into the song, I Have Friends, from CW's hit dramedy Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, Does that happen? Where where he has the like prime minister of Australia write a letter oh. for her funeral. And Telegram. the dad like turns to her at the funeral and is like, now everybody will know that our family has friends. And she, like, freaks out and Mm. tells her fake husband, I can't do this anymore. I thought that I was better than my father, but I'm just like him. (laughs) Which was an incredible – I was like, wow, the gymnastics you had to do to make that parallel, like, even almost a thing. Oh, I really liked it because I felt like it put together – what the pathological lying and stealing was all for. Oh, that's fascinating. Because I was so... To not be like her dad? No, she was 
to gain social capital, essentially. Just, just she wants, like him. Yeah, she wants uh, to fit in. She wants right. to she wants to be the same as her shitty friends, even though she's not. So she goes out and buys these clothes that she yeah. thinks will make her fit in with Tanya and the rest of oh them. And then when she moves to Sydney, she's not trying to be like them specifically, which is why her whole wardrobe and like life changes. But she is still seeking outside validation mm-hmm. to such an extent that her life becomes about finding a husband to and she goes to whatever degree she has to do she gets into this like fake immigration marriage thinking that it's okay because it's an external symbol of somebody's appreciation of her that's that's great that's the moral of the movie i didn't really i didn't really figure that out until you just said it (laughs) i do like that did you guys notice that when she comes home with David for the first time. Yeah, David, the the swimmer. David, for the first time, she sees his apartment. It's the exact same set as her apartment (laughs) with Rhonda. She goes, it's so big, and they just never pan the (laughs) camera. They never pan the camera, so you, like, can't, quote, unquote, can't tell. It's different. She literally walked in, and I went, oh, we're in her apartment with nicer stuff. And then she goes, oh, your place is so big. And I went. This Come on, Tony. Is my room? No, it's not. This is your room. This, ooh, yeah, I love the drama. Oh, and also, oh my god, you have that, to stay married for four months. That dumb fucking husband going. Who would marry somebody they don't love? And when Tony just goes, "You did." You did. <laughs> should we should we go act by act? Yeah, let's go act. Sure. Let's go. So okay. Because so... all I have to say about Act One is there. It is concluded with a very exciting drag performance. By Abba, uh, of Abba by Tony Clett and her friend. Yeah, wait. And that was before, my scene. before we, before we get further into this podcast, I just want to ask you both how you genuinely, truly felt about the movie because I feel like we were we we're all so excited to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I think that I have a different opinion <laughs> than you guys. I thought it was. Like straight out of CW. Like I thought that it was like bad, but endlessly entertaining to watch. And I'm sorry if that means that you're gonna go home and block me on Twitter. I liked it more than I was expecting, but I was expecting nothing. And I think that I just I really appreciated how it didn't have a genre at all, and that's what I liked about it. Otherwise, I'm not really going to remember a lot, minus, like, her facial expressions. I truly, genuinely loved this movie. Good. You are the strangest person I've ever met. (laughs) No, I mean, I give it a solid, like, B+. I immediately gave it five stars on Letterboxd. I, if I had to give it a letter grade, it would probably... Okay, if I have to give it a letter grade in 2019, C-. minus. Oh, it's... But if I went back in time to 94, probably, like, a C+. You don't think it holds up? <laughs> I do. I, I think it's. No. De- I think it definitely doesn't. Uh, no. There, there are. You mean so like many feministically, pro- like problematic aspects oh, in 2019. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It really. Her is... dad, Jesus. Not just. Her, well, I think that we're supposed to hate. Him. Well, yeah, but I just mean like, I don't know. Yeah, that that's different. But I guess the, like the tone, like the female relationships, kind of are See, fucked up. For almost the entire 
for the first like 20 minutes basically until the beginning of act two i was like if this whole movie is just an exercise in humiliation for muriel like i will not be able to right go. oh my god when she's so basically this is this is near the beginning but what, her friend gets married she catches the bouquet. They're so mad. Everyone's furious that Muriel caught the bouquet. Because yeah. she is not pretty and she's fat and they don't like her even though they're best friends with her? Question yeah. mark? I wonder, did they like meet in school? Because the movie they acts like there's only six women like... in all of this town. I've never been to Australia, but <laughs> it feels about spit right. is not a real place. Pulpa Pulpa spit. Which, spit. which I was Pulpa thinking spit. about how absurd of a name for a town that is. Yeah. Until I remembered that I grew up in a town called Locust Valley. True. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Which sounds like a biblical plague. It is. It was. It is a biblical plague. Word. Currently. So at the wedding, um, Muriel sees the bro- the husband. Been oh, yeah, the groom. The groom, thank mm-hmm. you, that's the word. The groom um, having an affair, literally at the, at wedding, the wedding, because men stay trash. And then she gets told by this friend group, they excommunicate her. They're like, you're not cute, you're not hip enough. Oh, but first she gets arrested. <gasps> for stealing? For, for stealing the leopard print dress, supposedly. We never actually find out if she did steal it, but I think she did. Um but then this woman with like these clear glasses who's snooping on her fi- like reports her to the police. I will say that most of the first 10 minutes of this movie I was not able to follow and yeah. I had to look up the synopsis on Wikipedia yeah. to make sure of what was yeah. happening. They bring her home to her family and I was also like because until this moment I just like had not real like I knew it was in the 90s but I just had Tony Clutt mentally at age like 50 in my mind. Yeah. And she still like looks like 40 in this movie but not in a bad way. There were moments where she looked like a a um middle-aged woman and there were moments when i looked and i was like how is she 14 there were moments where i was like are you 14 literally is two years younger than i am now when she made this movie and i'm very jealous of her make you so upset that we're yeah i want to be in muriel's wedding nobody's going to listen to (laughs) and she was in and and she was golden globe she was golden globe nominated (laughs) i can't believe but muriel's an iconic character already like you However you feel about the movie, I feel like Muriel is just one of those characters that's going to stick with me. Muriel is a queer icon, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and she, um, so yeah, she gets excommunicated. Oh, no. She's taken home to her family, who is very strange. I did appreciate the amount of screen time, like, basically every character in this movie got. Like, you kind of got to know, like, a lot of people. And, like, yeah. they kept up with their, like, running gags a little bit. Like, her family, like... Her sister, who multiple times goes, I love how this. You're terrible, Muriel. But like, she's smirking, and she has like the weirdest little bob. Oh my god, I love that she doesn't say a word besides that until after the mother kills herself. <laughs> she, I, I have an award for her, or I might have an award. I have a few nominees for a singular award. Okay, she's in the category. She's a queen of dramedy because she gave uh-huh. us those incredible. What what is your terrible your terrible Muriel? Like she did it incredible, and then in the end you see her. She's like sitting on the bed, like weeping, like smoking mm-hmm. a cigarette. And I was like, oh, range. <laughs> I have a moment that involves the family that I will save for best prop. I ha- I have a best prop that's also um you, yeah it's it involves the family as well. Oh my god. So then we meet her dad, who's like super shitty. And who like threatens immigrants with deportation if they don't give oh. them free food at restaurants. But his family's like fucked up, so they always get out of trouble with the cops because he'll like offer them beer. Okay, that was so strange to me that it took a 
a case of beer to bribe the police. I right. I feel like it's Australia it would take though. At least two cases. It's Australia. In my mind, it wasn't bribing with the beer. It was like, oh, he, like, we're friends. It. Here, it oh my god, talking. take this beer. We don't need like. He was you like know. a failed city council person who was like yeah. just famous, and his like slogan was literally on the sign of the town. Yeah. This town was just pretty small, I guess. Mm-hmm. But spit. my favorite like detail about the dad character though that I thought was interesting was that every time they have a dinner scene like he's entertaining like so many random strangers yeah. like even when they reunite later in the movie he has like all these people just with him <laughs> and then he immediately just says to her like fuck you I hate you my daughter you're worthless yeah or like he keeps calling them all useless yeah. it's very sad but they all are like I mean, they, they don't do anything. They're, he's not wrong. He's just a bad parent. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's like maybe they would have done something if you didn't raise them to be terrified all the time. They're on the dowel. I also, something that I want to point out is the casting of Muriel and her mom. Yeah. They are so similar in so many ways that not even like in terms of, that. that's something that I feel like did not come from the script. Like it was. What do you pure, mean? It like was their purely. Choices? It was like their physicality, the way that she they smiled, the way they spoke, the way that they spoke. Yeah, the that they spoke. yeah, it was the expressions and the mannerisms. That I they really liked had. her mom. It was, she was really cute. Yeah. And, but it was really sad. Oh my god, um, the woman Deidre, yeah, who was always like walking in on. Oh, I did not give a shit about. I didn't her. give a shit about her either. But loved her hair. I loved the running gag they had when she was always running in on different cities and seeing him and like. Oh, what a coincidence. Oh, my God. It's like... <laughs> like, we know you're having an affair. I did... Okay. I didn't see it coming. At the end, when all of a sudden Muriel's like, are you leaving mom for Deirdre? I was like, <laughs> what? I, like, dropped oh, my you gummy worms. Well, it's because she was, was so boring. You didn't... I yeah. loved her hair. Already. Oh, yeah. And I... she always wore those, like, like extra large, like, Shoulder soap padded. opera blouses. Yeah. yeah. Um, The fashion was great. Which leads us into the, I guess, the the... The bachelorette post-wedding party where they fire her as a friend. Mm, they fire as a friend, and they tell her they're all going on a vacation to Hibiscus Island uh-huh. without her. Which is her the girl's honeymoon. So, yeah. And she's not going with her husband, but they're staying married. Chuck is his name. Because she found out he was but cheating. My favorite line from the scene is when she's like, they're trying to explain why they don't want to be friends with her anymore. And they're like, you know how, like... We're mad. We go around to parties and we're mad. And then and then uh, Muriel goes, we're mad. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Collette just can just can act the the bones right out of her body. Oh, yeah. We're mad. That was her first cry, I think, in the movie. Yeah. When, yeah. when she oh, starts crying at the so, table saying, I'm like, not nothing. And I was like. Ugly crying. And it was so good. She's always oh so good God. at ugly crying. With like the most uncomfortable way. Maybe that's why, because she she's like, I can be ugly, like I'm not afraid mm-hmm. of that. Like, and now yeah. they write scenes for her. They're like, oh, let's get Tony on this. We'll have an ugly cry scene, and then yeah. it'll be great. There's truly no glamour in anything mm-hmm. that she does, which was part of what I loved about this movie. I feel like if it had been made in 2019, maybe there wouldn't have been that weird rape joke at the end. Um, which one? Oh my God! The one I don't where doubt Ra- that it happened. The I, one where I, I, Rhonda is hanging out with Muriel's shitty friends, and the one who got married a while ago is like, 
Oh, yeah, my husband's in jail. They say that he raped a Japanese tourist. I told them that oh. it's impossible. He hates the Japanese. Oh, yeah. I, here's the thing. <laughs> I zoned out for half a second, heard the ending of that joke when I was watching it, and heard he hates the Japanese. And I was like, I'm not rewinding because I <laughs> But is that don't. one of those jokes where every part of it is so bad that it ends up being okay because it's just an all-around offensive I feel like joke? It... I don't think that's how comedy works, but. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Because it was also coming from, like, one of the most despicable characters. It, it, it's, it's the Sort of thing that, like, yeah, I feel like in that time, it's like, oh, the joke is that it's so horrible from yeah. start to finish, and um, it's said by said by a character we hate. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that, that would not Tanya fly today. It was Tanya. I yeah. know any of your mother. Um, exactly. Your Tanya's my mother's Tanya. name. She actually played the role of Tanya in Mural's Wedding. Yeah, she can do the accent really well. Um, I forget what I was saying. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. So yes, okay. So there's no glamour no. Um, in Tony Collette's acting and had the movie been made in 2019 I feel like Muriel would have been the sort of character that would have been very easy to digest she's yeah. weird in like a, a Zoe Deschanel I think type she way. would have been played by like Amy Schumer she would have been played by like a Jennifer Lawrence type mm. I feel or if, remember depending when they, on the cloud of the movie or like yeah remember when they cast Chloe Grace Moretz as Carrie and it was like <sighs> that was literally a crime it, it was like all right and she just played the whole thing as if Carrie was like a, a regular person I thought you met in the Carrie Diaries, the prequel oh, to that's Sex and Sophia Rob. Yeah, know I know, I know. So I was thinking, and I was going, "How do I tell Sam on her own podcast that she doesn't know what she's talking about?" But you meant like, <laughs> but you didn't. Oh, have you seen the yeah. Carrie remake with Chloe Grace Moritz and Julianne Moore? Of course. Oh, it's it's really bad. She flies out of the school. Yeah, she well, levitates. Okay. And the, I, there were parts of it that I liked. She saves Judy Greer from dying at the last minute because she's Judy Mood. Greer. Yeah, because Judy it's Judy Greer, Greer and you can't can never die. Die. I'm reading the I book right like, now. Oh, I feel like once they cast Judy Greer as that character, they probably uh, just cut her jet scene out of the script. And was like, yeah. Carrie can levitate now. She has those yeah, powers. I didn't She'll like how she locked her mom in safety. the closet like before the prom. Like We know she flips... At prom. Yeah, I have a lot of mm. very strong opinions about <clears throat> Carrie, and they do center around, um, or they do originate from Carrie the Musical, mm-hmm. which mm. is a lot like Heather's the Musical, where you have to do it perfectly, and it has to be like death camp, or oh, it's yeah. like really gross yeah. and offensive and bad. Um, and I, I have strong opinions. Sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say, do you think that Heather's even reads well in a post-Columbine world. We talked about this on our unreleased demo podcast. I think it has to be done perfectly. Yeah. And if it is not perfect, it is very bad. I do not know if Heather's can be done now where school shootings are like... Every day. Literally every single day and we are just begging for anything to Mm -hmm. be done about it. But back when it came out and it wasn't quite literally at the forefront of everyday discussion... It was the the shooting is not funny. The shooting is not cute. It's funny up until that happens, and then it's awful. Like that's why I call yeah. it a death camp. Like where it is campy, but but there's consequences. There's moment. Uh, there's moments of consequence. There's yeah. moments of actual heart and sheer mm-hmm. darkness. Yeah, I think that bringing it back, Tony Collette does a lot of death camp in her career. Mm-hmm. She definitely does. And if I can. Bring us back to my earlier point of how she's not glamorous. I feel like the reason why Muriel's wedding worked for me was because I found myself so 
conflicted over whether I could root for Muriel. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they left it pretty kind of like we they were always rooting pretty... for her, but we never knew what was going on in her mind. Yeah. Which is which like I don't know if it like Staring I, I, up I, at the ceiling, like, and coming out of her ears. No, like her I, eyes just rolled back no, in her no, head. No, like I don't. I'm I'm trying to figure out how to say this. I don't know if us not being able to know what she's thinking is what makes it interesting. I would argue that my experience with the movie was that I could see why she was doing what she was doing to a certain extent. Right. But I was just like. Ooh, but like you should be doing something else though. Like, oh yeah. If you want to have friends, you should tell the truth instead of lie. For example. For so, just one example. So speaking yeah. of friends, we are at the point where she meets the wonderful Rhonda. Rhonda, who just happens to be on Hibiscus Island. Who's incredible. She's, She's great. Incredible. What's her name? Rachel uh, Griffiths. Rachel Griffiths. Yeah. Has she been in anything like American? She is in um. I don't know which movie, but I know that she's in another upcoming Tony movie that we're going to watch. Oh, good. Oh, I can't wait for that, like, meta detail of their connection. Yeah, but <laughs> um, I really, the moment that made me enjoy this movie on any level at all was the Waterloo scene. Yeah, yes, the lip sync performance. The arc that Tony Collette gave from start to finish. Oh, she starts with not even... Any facial expressions? I, honest to God, for the first, like, 10 to 20 minutes of this movie, I, like, I was like, is this movie just going to be about us, like, watching an autistic woman not know how to conduct herself and just, like, laugh at her? Mm -hmm. And then when she sort of comes alive during Waterloo, I was like, oh, like, She's highly mm-hmm. depressed where she is. Yeah. So now she has an arc to go through. Oh, I loved it because I thought the movie was over at that point. I was like, what are they going to do now? They've dealt with her bitchy friends. Like, they sang, they lip, fully lip sync Waterloo to them in a club wearing these ABBA outfits. Everyone's just applauding them. Aiming Waterloo. It was a true musical theater moment because it was at like, these women. who does that? <laughs> I have a fight with someone, you know, and, and instead of like arguing with them, I'm going to... Put on Abba Drag and just lip sync at them for an entire song and ev- in a public place. And then I thought the movie could have ended and I would have thought it was pretty good too. Yeah, yeah but then, you know, she has to go home and reckon with the fact that she stole $12,000 <laughs> from her family's family savings account. I know. And her mom's like, did you, by the way, did you, you know, empty our savings account? And she goes, oh my God. I would never borrow from your urn, Brenda. She gets back in her car and just gets no, back in the taxi and drives away. And it's like because she sold, to Sydney. she sold two makeup kits, told them she made $12,000 from that, and went on the vacation. They were stupid enough. I laughed just so hard at her just backing away oh, and getting back in the cab. so funny. <laughs> um, so then part two of the movie, they go, she moves to Sydney she with moves Rhonda. To Sydney, which it's a huge I, haircut. I really like that a very significant oh, amount of time haircut. passes between act one and act two. Because mm-hmm. I was like, honestly, I don't really care to see the slow growth from like super depressed to yeah. not very depressed. And because realistically, yeah. not much is going to happen in that time. So I like that we sort of catch up with her. Absolutely. We would say, 
I, I don't even know how much longer it is later. I would say I assumed two, three months. Yeah, yeah not just that at, long. Just but... at a point where she's passable as a functional human right. being. Right, and she's still lying to Rhonda that she's married to someone, or she was married to someone named Tim Sims. Oh my God, when she says, he said that he would kill me if I if I left, and she goes, he must have really loved you. <laughs> oh my God. So yes, they have a fucked up friendship, but it's beautiful. Something. And the friendship is the real love story, you guys. And oh yeah, no, friendship. from like the first time that Rhonda appeared on screen, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this Tumblr post that sort of became a meme. Uh, Probably, but I, but I wrote in my notes, Harold, they're lesbians, and I think that the only fault of this movie, there's a lot. Of oh, faults. that they weren't lesbians. I yeah. took a note at the end where I was like, this fine, because the final shot of the movie is M- Muriel and Rhonda in a taxi, smiling longingly into each other's eyes, heading as they towards their, lesbianism. Right, They're heading back into the city. Away together. I was like, this couldn't be queerer if they were eating box. Like, this <laughs> is a queer film. This it, movie's in the queer canon. It, it, it is. really yeah. is, and something that struck me about the second act um is it's like is that Rhonda got cancer and lost mobility <laughs> in her legs and it, stopped wearing makeup and became <gasps> became kind of like Muriel in act 1 oh a little as far bit. as depression yeah but what struck me was that i guess it's it, it's well structured to me that uh, Muriel has grown, but like mm-hmm. truly not that much. Right. Because every single man in this movie is so toxic and so oh, horrible. Yeah. And by the beginning of Act Two, every positive relationship Muriel has in her life is with a woman. Mm-hmm. And yet she's still unhappy because she's seeking the approval right. of a man. Mm. I want to pour one out for the one possibly non toxic man in the movie who asks her out at her job. Oh, and then so they, and it was unresolved, which I did love. I love that he she didn't end up with him because that was what it was like. Yeah, um, but he's at her wedding. He, he was at her wedding, the wedding. But... which I wrote in my notes that that's a very Sam Prosser move. Inviting <laughs> are you, a inv- are you the attendee or are you getting married and inviting men you've hooked up with? I think I'm both. Well, you're gonna have to do both. <laughs> no, just yeah, just inviting a guy who I went on one date with and almost fucked once. But that was also <laughs> to a my very. Wedding. Very important life night that for everyone true. involved, and I want to talk about that scene because that was literally the best scene in the movie for me. Because she goes home, uh, Rhonda. Well, Rhonda's brought home two men, and they're having a threesome very loudly. And uh, Muriel just does. Ne- I guess she's never had sex before. I assume that was her first. Yeah. Everything. Oh, one hundred. And that guy probably too. If we're being real, but um, I, you know, I could, you could, you could tell me on if that. If he had more of I, development, I could than, see yeah. him having had sex once when he was like sixteen True. in someone's and then, car, in someone's yeah, yeah, car, yeah, yeah. and then like they never, never spoke gone again. home with someone. Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, we've all been there when you know, the roommate is having a threesome loudly, and you're trying to entertain. <laughs> we have all been. And, just there imagining Muriel doing it and like she pours tea for him and then they like awkwardly 
hug on the beanbag or something. Oh but God. then when he's my favorite part was that he started like kissing her and taking her clothes off and she just starts shrieking so loudly. Like happy shrieks for listeners yeah, who haven't seen the movie. Happy, happy shrieks. Happy. Oh yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She's she loves it. She's it's laughing. explicitly consensual. But it was so yeah. relatable, I feel like, because like in sex scenes, like people always, even if they're a virgin and things they always are like, Oh yeah, I know exactly what to do. And then she was literally going, ah, <laughs> What? She was like squeaking. Yeah. And she yeah. wouldn't stop for like Two minutes. And the other thing amazing. I liked about that scene that did not feel very 1994, it felt very 2019, is when they, they, he like falls back and knocks the bird cage that doesn't oh. have a bird in it. Oh, over. it did have a bird in it. The bird escapes. Oh, I didn't And they see never that. mention it. Okay. I thought the plot was going to be about <laughs> finding this no, bird. Knocked the window open. Rhonda and her two slam pieces run out of the room. All and naked. And these men immediately tackle him to the ground oh, and are like, yeah, they're like, what did you do? They're to like, her? what did you do to her? How oh, dare yeah. you? She's, because she's laughing, but it like seems like squealing. That is so it's, true. It's very, um, it, it's a strange sight to see. No, and I, then I can all... imagine. And I love. She's still shrieking. Yeah. I love going. that the men that are in the middle of a threesome, because I feel like in general, I haven't seen Eyes Wide Shut. What is that? The sequel to Incredibly Loud, Incredibly Close. That movie, <laughs> Incredibly Loud, Incredibly Close. Eyes wide shut. The Incredibles. Eyes wide shut. Is that movie where like Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman go to like a weird sex party? Because and... you're making this up right now. I this think... doesn't exist. Wait, no. they were married. Why were they in a movie together? I know, but I've never seen the movie. But apparently, the whole thing is that like it's like this group sex club, and it's like weird. So I feel like I can oh. see. Have you guys never heard of this movie? Nope. Do I look like I've heard of this movie, Sam? <laughs> Straight culture, I guess. We, we still have awards to give out. so Well, yeah, we got to keep oh going. Oh, my God. We're almost out of time. It's because yeah. we've been thinking so hard about how much how we incredible do or this do movie not is. like. But, but I have one yeah. more thing to say about that scene is that, yes, it's very 2019 that they cared so much that she was potentially in danger. And also the fact that it was a... Um, Male, male, woman threesome in Australia. Yes. I guess An Australia interracial is just, male, interracial male, male, oh, male, yeah. male woman. And eventually, and then at the end of the scene, she uh, Rhonda comes out, goes, "I can't feel my legs," and she falls loses. over yeah. and becomes paralyzed in the next scene. Oh my god, that was a twist for the ages. But yeah, I also, yeah, I, I was just about to reiterate what you said, so there's no point in me saying it. Um, um, what I just want to go oh, yeah. through. Okay, I have one note that mm-hmm. Jess says, you know that photo album scene where she's been taking pictures of herself at like bridal stores and All she's over the putting city. them in a photo album? I just wrote Alice Ripley energy. <laughs> and I don't really well, Tony know. Well, Tony Collette and Alice Ripley, this podcast. they're the same. Because, because Alice Ripley played Tara from United States of Tara in a musical version called Next to Normal. <laughs> Okay, for a second I thought you were telling the truth. <laughs> Same basic plot premise, but a little bit different. Basically. Okay, so what else happens in part two? Uh, Rhonda becomes paralyzed. There's the um, the there's the like she has the breakdown in the, in the bridal oh, shop. Oh, in the when bridal Rhonda shop. So she's trying yeah, all these dresses, which I don't think is that weird. I also don't think you have to get married to be getting married to try on a dress. Like that doesn't seem fair to me. Yeah, I guess you it's a social stigma. To... I guess maybe it's the fact that she has a whole photo album of pictures. <sighs> True, from. that Rhonda finds, and she's like. You're still getting back with Tim Sims. He abuses you. Oh yeah, that's why she's upset. And then <laughs> and and then uh, Muriel says there is no Tim Sims. Oh, but keep in mind this is not Muriel right now. This is Mariel. Oh, this she is Mariel. changes her name when she cuts her hair. Yeah. To become a new woman, but Mariel ugly cries in the bridal shop. I'm, um, I'm just going through 
the rest of my notes real quick just yeah. because we have limited time. And um, we did kind of already cover Act 3. We kind of went bit, 3, yeah. 1, 2. You know? Yeah. Also, um, after the mom dies, a brand new brother shows up for like one line. Absolutely. That he that hasn't been He was seen in like before. one frame early in the movie. And then later they were like, so this is your time. Like, oh, he's now different from like the deadbeat brother? Yeah, there was there's, the other. There's a brother oh, that's like yeah. 11. The brother that looks like he was like on the child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! But so. Oh when, wait, and oh sorry, you. Go. No, I have nothing to say. Uh, you said that you had a lot of thoughts about the mother's death earlier. In on. a way, I, I'm ready to go to awards. Oh okay. Okay, so let's just wrap up the movie real quick. Um, the oh, mom also, wait, dies. Something, <laughs> something, something so so quick. Um. Ruffling paper. Yeah. Okay. So I was thinking about how you know, there's that Kristen Stewart quote from when she went on like Conan O'Brien or something, where she says that you cannot create a strong female character by writing a male character and then changing the pronouns. This movie would not be possible with a male lead. Absolutely. You Very would true. not be able to switch the positions at all, and that's why I think that it's um, a feminist film. It, that's, that's. I don't know if valid. I would call it a feminist film. Actually. And that is why you don't say Muriel will die on the hill. That Muriel's wedding, 1994, is a feminist manifesto. It is not a feminist manifesto, but it's... I appreciate. <laughs> that I I basically I just love a female anti-hero oh absolutely and she's just so weird and like it's relatable too because like you know you go to your room you put on ABBA you ugly cry yeah. you know you move to Sydney you steal money from your parents who hasn't and so the major part of act three we didn't we talked about a little bit but like she gets married Mariel gets married to this um, swimmer from South Africa who, who needs like a green card. Needs a green marriage. card in Australia. Apparently, there yeah. you only need to be married for four months, but in America it's like four years. Mm-hmm. It's also the nineties, and they didn't really care. But he hates her so visibly. He hates. I her. think he's gay. Yeah, it was very interesting that he would like look at her and be like, "I would never marry this like cow." And I'm like, "You're she's... just as weird looking as she is." Like, <laughs> she's he was like, not cute. Pretty, and he's also not an interesting person. In, wait, and that is actually a very good point, Jake. By that point in the movie, especially in that scene when she walks in that maroon, like maxi dress, yeah, she to looked the pool. beautiful when to the he pool. met her. That's so true. And he was looking at her like she was honestly chopped liver, and I was right. like, she's hotter than you. Well, I think he's just yeah. a, a misogynist gay, fair swimmer. Mm-hmm. But then he ends up actually maybe not because he's not gay because they end up falling in love. That was a weird moment. They like kind of realize they, they liked like each other. Make out. And then she, like, divorces him. She, she goes, I don't love you. He goes, I don't love you either. But they did have sex. <laughs> I like you, though. Yeah. The, yeah, they did have sex. But I, like, you know, as a fun marriage, she. but at that point, her mom had killed herself. Oh, my God. When her mom was at the wedding and she just walks oh past my her, God. that made me really cry. That truly. And I feel like the, the reason why I connected with this movie was because later on when Muriel realizes mm-hmm. it, that her mother was like at her wedding and she'd ignored her and like had fucking Deirdre at Deidre. like Deidre, whatever, Deidre. whoever the fuck. When she like loses her mind, she's like, what have I done? What have I done? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that... Uh, I mean that's that that's a basic movie. Can now that I think about it, it's not that impressive. Um, I was not was 94, expecting 94, that. So yeah, it was ninety four. Back then, it was probably. I was yeah. not expecting okay. her mom to die, and I think that just attention to detail with all the minor characters was kind of what helps this movie too, because it's like, 
yes, it's about one person, but there's so much going on. That that shot of the deadbeat brother just like staring off into space. I did like that actor. I yeah. thought he was he did his job yeah. very very well. Yeah. Okay. Then, so yeah. awards. Let's yes. Let's move on to awards. Um. Best prop. Best prop. Let's go around the circle. I would I'll, like to be last. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mine's I'll, sad, so you go first. Okay, I'll go first. My my favorite prop was the beanbag chair. That they were fucking on when yeah. the when it when it split open and oh, uh, yeah. Rachel Griffith's legs broke. Yeah. Okay. My um, best prop was a really small detail I noticed near the beginning of the movie when her mom and her mom's very absent-minded the whole time, but the dad asks her for some tea and she just literally like microwaves it. And I know if you know anything about Brits and Australians, they do not microwave their tea because that's like, you know, it's about the kettle, you know, but she just like stares at this teacup in the microwave slowly spinning and the tea bag was in it. And I'm just like, I already knew she was going to (laughs) die. Like, I'm like, that is the prop. (laughs) That's a prop for me. True. Okay. (laughs) Uh, best prop in Muriel's wedding, I put Muriel's mom. Because she uh, literally stares uh, vacantly for 90% oh, wow. of her track mm-hmm. and then has one angry scene with the son and then kills herself. And I was like, you're literally a prop. Like, things happen to and around that you. Is, but that is true. She is just a catalyst for acting, Muriel's though. final transformation. I will say, by the end of the movie, I was like, oh, you're a really good actress. Yes. I just, yeah. It just took me the full movie to confirm that it, everything you were doing was like, Acting. And she sets fire to the backyard before she kills which herself. Is, which is which is a dope move. BDE. Incredible power move. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Best uh Tony moment. Best Tony moment. Let's uh you I go have... first, Jake. Okay, so several moments, but I would say my favorite moment, which I rewound, was when she's meeting David at the pool and the his uh coach or whoever is like his handler is like talking to her about the situation like she they're get, she's getting paid to marry him and she's just literally not listening and she's staring into David's eyes and she literally just turns her head and she's like sticks her tongue out so insanely at him just casually just like nah. and like they just don't even address it at all but he just kind of his eyes widen and like <laughs> I probably wouldn't want to marry her either in that moment but i have uh one more can i do a, a quote that's yes. also hilarious. I wrote down two quotes. One of them was the, we're mad. And then the one which she says in the last scene as she's driving away with Rhonda in the cab, which is, bye, mall. <laughs> also, wait, okay. <laughs> just just as a stray observation, I forgot uh, my favorite line in the entire film is, um, I sucked her husband's cock and it made me realize that we all make mistakes. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good one. Very Tony. I wrote down that well. moment. I adored that. Okay, what what was your my Tony, Tony Collette moment of the film is when Rhonda g- gives up in her physical therapy session because <gasps> she's having such a hard time learning how to walk, oh and God. she gets down and she explains to Rhonda how she used to be so depressed. She just listened to ABBA all day, and how <laughs> since they moved in together, she hasn't listened to ABBA. And she oh. says, "Make my life as good as an ABBA song. It's as good as Dancing Queen." And I was like, "If that isn't the most..." genuine thing you've ever heard it is i loved it that is so genuine it's like such a specific thing like how more what more passionate are you about than like your favorite like abba songs of which there are many in this movie yeah oh yeah okay uh and my favorite tony moment was just very simple the first scene in act two where all she has to do is just behave like a regular person to have me sold for the entire rest of the movie. That, I feel like what Tony does in this movie looks so effortless, Mm -hmm. 
And it's so effective in a way that I truly do not think that anybody else could have played this role. No. No, she made it. She yeah. made the role what, she made what it. it is. Jokes yeah. absolutely aside, I, I was constantly astounded at how just good she is at acting yeah. in the whole movie. Yeah. Okay, let's go around and say our custom Tony Awards. Yes. I have a few. Um, Best rape joke, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes, Sam Presser. Uh, most inexplicable slash inordinately sublime karaoke scene. Best mother-daughter casting. Best subversion of typical weight expectations for actresses. Excellence in costuming. And <laughs> this is my personal favorite. The Tina Fey Award for sensitivity regarding race. Incredible. Oh, you mean lack of? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have... Most problematic, which goes to the assistant in the bridal store who looks at Rhonda in the wheelchair and says, you can't attack our brides no matter how unfortunate you are. (laughs) (laughs) And I have least problematic, which goes to Rhonda's mom, who loves and supports Rhonda without question the whole movie and looks after her when Muriel, like, abandons her. And then when Muriel comes back and is like, let's be friends again, the mom literally steps in and says... No, you were terrible to her. And Rhonda, Mm -hmm. who is an adult and can make her own choices, decides to forgive Muriel, which I don't necessarily support, but I'm a feminist. Rhonda has agency. My final (laughs) um, custom award is best performance with five lines or less, and it goes to the the bridal store owner with the red hair, the first bridal store that she goes into, that woman who says, I never do this, but your mother has to see you in this dress. She, I was like, why are you the second best actress in this entire movie? <laughs> it was crazy. Go back and watch I it. I didn't know what she was going to be doing to her. Yeah. But it turned out she was just doing a photo shoot. Be- she was in- it was incredible. It changed my life. Also, wait. I never do this. Is there a reason that she wouldn't let people mm- take pictures? <laughs> it's possible that back then that was a bigger deal. Maybe. Oh, because cameras. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Lack of cameras in Australia. In the 90s. All right. What's your custom award? I'm still struggling with how to create these, but um, I thought best rule of three goes to <laughs> your terrible Muriel because I think she said it. I'm going to pretend she just said it two times and the third time was her finding out when she would have done it was just her calling her and saying "Your mo- our mom died. Oh, so yeah. it could have been your terrible Muriel, but it's our mom died. Muriel. <laughs> Which she didn't say. All right. We are just about out of time. So, Jamie Green, where can people find you on social media? Uh, they can find me on, sorry, I was yawning. They can find me on Instagram and Twitter as Mr. Brood City, M R B R O O D C I T Y. Is that a reference to anything? It's like a story from high school. You had to be there. Um, <laughs> they can also find me on Bits Before Crits, an improvised adventure podcast, playing anywhere you can listen to podcasts, uh, or at my website, www.thejamiegreen.com. Incredible. Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, as Samila Prosser with no underscore. I will probably start up an Instagram and or Twitter for the podcast at some point. Uh, but mm-hmm. not at the time of this recording. So we cannot tell you where to follow the podcast at this time. Jake, what about you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Jacobeam. That is J-A-K-O-B-E-E-M. Um, it's also a high school reference that I forgot why it is that. And then my Twitter is the real Jacobeam. And it means really nothing. Don't overthink it. Sam, what is your actual, what's your Instagram handle? 
Samala Prosser. Okay, because I think I tagged your Finsta then when I made an Instagram story post because I don't think that is the account I tagged for you. Incredible. <laughs> I like no. forward to solving this mystery. Yeah. No, Samala Lal is Samala Lal is absolutely what I what yeah. I that's that that's the Finsta that pretty much anybody can follow. Oh, um, so you have levels of Finstas? Yeah, it's absolutely Samala. Yeah. Oh my god! I absolutely do. Uh, there are new levels of Finstas now there with the addition are. of Insta close friends. God, I you so know. can't keep up with Finsta culture. Oh, you mentioned in a oh oh you need to pose again because that <laughs> you can get a candid. And the listeners are only imagining. What Incredible. They look like. Okay, so uh, is that it? We're done. <laughs> Say bye, podcast. Um, bye, podcast. Bye, Todd. Uh, uh, Bye, mate.